Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Anim on a Tangent. This is a podcast I did with Dave Rorick, Greg Nelson, and Brian Hodge, also known as the Mayor of Believe Land. And uh, we just talked about the Cavs winning the championship and uh, what it meant for everybody. They were all in downtown Cleveland, but you'll hear about that later. So thanks for listening. And subscribe and tell some people about this. No, don't, maybe not this one, but like... <laughs> The David Belk one. Like, if they're Clevelanders, tell them about this one, maybe, but not. All right. Enjoy it. Cheers. That's a lovely, lovely voice. But, oh, it will be. It better be. But, uh, Does yeah. it help if I turn up the volume? No, no, I mean... No, we, you're fine. Everybody's good. You're fine. BH, can you just say something? Something appropriate? Yeah, no. No, something <laughs> inappropriate. BH, BH yeah. sounds fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, I wanted to talk to everybody about the Cavs. I mean, it, I kind of you got you guys talk about the Cavs. You guys were all together, so tell me about what was it like? Oh, to not gay. What was it like? <laughs> <laughs> what was it Easy like? There, what was it like at the queue though? Like I to was, watch it live? I was like super gay, dude. <laughs> we were all crying and stuff. I mean, it's no, I, I was it's super okay. Ha- I was super happy. Right. That's yeah. What, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it was the emotion on BH and his brother's faces um, belied what was actually going on in the crowd because everyone was like losing it and uh, I took a couple videos that have actually gotten a few thousand views already on YouTube like people are must be seeking out live reaction videos yeah um, but uh, but yeah like everyone just losing their absolute minds and then I pan the camera and you just see BH just like kind of maybe smirking at most sitting there. <laughs> you know, for being for being the mayor of Believeland, I expected a lot more out of the big guy, and he did not come up at all with any any emotion, like nothing. He was just stoic, uh, uh, sitting uh, there. Well, but, uh, uh, there was there was more than that, but <clears throat> it it doesn't it doesn't last very long for me, especially like I. I honestly expected them to win. I mean, you recorded it in the previous podcast. I was predicting a sweep. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> that didn't happen. But yeah. it almost <laughs> happened in the other direction. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, I never, I never lost confidence that they were going to win. I mean, it's the you know, it's the like most cliche saying ever. But it's not over till it's over. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know so, you so know is that why you were about? so? The strange about that night was that uh, as we hung out before the game and actually going into the stadium, I never got the sense that anybody was nervous or didn't think we had a chance. Uh, it was just electric from the beginning, and everybody thought we were going to win. I think everybody that was in that stadium, everybody that came to that city that night, thought that we were going to win that game. So it was it was just a dynamic experience, and I'm so glad that we did it. Yeah, I mean, it looked like... It was just insanity when when Kyrie hit the three, and then you guys. I mean, it was man. It because like I was just celebrating with my wife in my living room, so it wasn't as awesome. But to see you guys all freak out at the same time was man. It was so so sweet, so surreal. It, you know, and that that's something that I don't know. I didn't really think about in the moment because um, you know we're downtown and that's in the heart of everything mm-hmm. and. I really wanted to make sure that we were down there for 
you know, first championship in 52 years, but I didn't really think about it until like the next day. And, um, somebody, it was somebody from work or something texted me and, you know, they said that they were just partying in the streets and whatever city he lived in. I didn't really think about it, but I'm sure that the scene in Akron and the scene in downtown Kent and things were probably fairly similar. I mean, it's not that the streets were blocked with people, but like everybody was probably out on the street at the bar, packed bars, like everyone just strangers hugging, high-fiving cars, just beeping, you know, at everybody along the street. Um, just, I don't, it was nothing like anything I've been a part of, obviously. Um, one of the guys, Andy, that was in our group was trying to compare it to the 2006, I think, Kent State <laughs> winning the MAC tournament in downtown Cleveland. He's like, oh yeah, dude, this reminds me of when Kent won it in 2006. I'm like, there's like, I mean, I guess that people were beeping their horns at you when they saw that you were in Kent stuff, but that was about the extent of it. This yeah. is every major road in Cleveland is blocked uh, with people and like people sitting out of the sunroofs of their cars. We saw um, people a car full in parking of parking lots in, par- in parking yeah. garages. Oh my god, dude! I saw a video just just I don't know right before we got on the call. Um, some guy was just walking around and had clips of the city and the one parking garage in particular was just every single opening was yeah. filled with people just, just cheering. Right we saw some guy, we saw some guy drinking a bottle of Hennessy while he was driving. Um, <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Um, it was just, the air was thick with Mary Jane. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's, that's another thing too, is that the cops were kind of, Letting it, you know, letting things go. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see anybody smoking weed, but we smelled it a bunch of times. And, uh, I think as long as, you know, we just, people weren't, weren't causing any damage, which yeah, we I really think, weren't. I think that they did what they were supposed to do is just make sure nobody blows anything up and just let all the small stuff go. Because, you know, with that many people there, it could have gotten a real out of hand if they stepped in over something silly and people would have got angry and, and cars would have been flipped. But yeah, I don't know what you guys thought going into that thing, but I, I never would have imagined the scene after the game with the thousand people just in the middle of the street. No, no cars could get out of the parking lots. People were just jamming in the street, just high-fiving each other. I knew it was going to be crowded. I knew the bars were going to be crowded, but I didn't ever imagine a scene like that after the game. How did you I guess that? I never really thought about it, but but yeah, I, I it was it was unbelievable. And you know, Nelson and I work down there, so I was telling him it was almost like disorient. It was disorienting to me because I've walked down those streets a hundred times before, but at times I kind of couldn't figure out where I was because I couldn't see anything because you're just in this mob of people. I'm used to seeing streets, cars you know, the bare street and cars and there's just people everywhere. I'm having trouble even figuring out where I am because just everything is covered in Cavs fans high fiving. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you guys feel about like the series as a whole? I mean, because it was because obviously they were down three one and whatever, but it was just such a weird set of games until the final until the final game where it was actually close. I think after game two, everybody was a little bit down the way we played and thought, oh, geez, boy, this is going to, it's going to happen again. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but when you, when I started to rationalize it, um, it's just, you know, just get game three and we'll get on to game four. And once we got game three that we had a little bit of momentum, I knew we were going to have a tough time with, with game four, given the short turnaround. 
But I thought if we survived game four um, and at least kept it close, that we would have a shot in game five because of the long the long rest in between in between games. Uh, Golden State's a team that really likes to run you around and wear you out, and the Cavs are an older team. And just watching them through the regular season, they did not play well on back-to-backs or games where there were five games in seven days and things of that nature. So it didn't surprise me that the Cavs kind of got it together, especially uh, with this team who who really doesn't turn it on until they have to. So when they got to game five, we caught the break with, with Draymond getting suspended and then Kyrie and LeBron going off. Once they got game five, it was like, okay, the dominoes are starting to fall. We've got momentum. We're coming back home. And we've got extended rest in between every game. This this could happen. So uh-huh. it, it it was kind of I don't know that there was any point where I thought it was over, but uh, it certainly didn't look good after game two. That's for sure. Yeah, and for for me, it was Draymond getting suspended was the big turn for me. Thinking we could we really had a, we would really have a shot at this. But after watching the first two games, I I thought for sure we were going to be swept. There was almost no doubt in my mind. And then even after game three, I thought, well, that's fine. It's just going to be, you know, 4-1. That's, it's, you know, but does anybody here, does anybody here think that maybe game, game five goes differently? Draymond doesn't I mean, spend it? Well, just kind of getting back to your question before, oh, yeah. it, it ties in. Well, it ties in here as well as I, I, Greg had a good point with, you know, the fact that during the regular season and even in the playoffs, this team, we didn't play well, like Greg said, on back-to-backs. I mean, I'd like to see the stats on that, but it, it feels like we lost the second game of back-to-backs every single time. Um, now, granted, it's we had one day too. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they just didn't, you know, we were older, especially LeBron. You know, he, we kind of live and die. We go as LeBron goes, um, and he really does a lot better when he has ample rest. Um, and that combined with the fact that, yeah, we don't turn it on unless we need to, uh, you know, the Toronto series, we're up 2-0, and then we just kind of were like, oh, we can coast through this the way we've coasted through so many other, you know, games this uh, during the regular season. And they just kind of took their foot off the gas and took things for granted, and we, we dropped those two in Toronto. And I, I don't think that they took anything for granted necessarily in Game 4, but the, the short rest, that game was a little bit closer than I think the score indicated. Um, mm-hmm. The first six games were all double digits, but that game, you know... They were kind of in it until the very end. Um, but getting to, to the Draymond thing, I think it was our backs being against the wall. Um, I think it was after game four that that um, assistant coach chewed out the locker room. I think LeBron got extra motivated. Um, and I, I think that we would have come out amped up anyway. And the fact that Draymond got suspended, I think kind of just add a little bit of fuel to that fire and anybody that maybe had anybody on the team that maybe had any, any doubts um, that probably, you know, helped help them them up a little bit. And yeah, I mean, once, once we won game five, once we came out and, and beat them in game five, that was really when I, I, I I'm, I'm with you. When we won game five, I was like, there's no way we lose game six at yeah. home right now. Yeah. So this is going to seven. Yeah. Um, I got I got interviewed by NBA TV actually outside the stadium, and I think yeah that was after that was after Game Five before Game Six, um, and and that's that was all I was thinking about at the time was that yeah we won Game Five we took one we knew that we we're gonna have to win one in Golden State anyway uh, they took one on our home floor so we we 
we took care of business in game five coming back home we have to protect home regardless of what the 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 series score is um so i was like dude once we once we won that game five i don't want to say that I took for granted that we're going to win game six, but the whole time I was thinking, oh, this is going seven. Yeah. And if it goes seven, we, even though the, the history is against <laughs> us, nobody had ever come back from three one, but just kind of the, 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 the mojo of everything was that, you know, we're going to have the momentum going into game seven. And I don't, we'll probably talk about it a little bit coming up, but I, I just, wasn't that impressed with Golden State the entire series. Even even the games that, you know, game four, I felt like we beat ourselves. They didn't beat us. Mm-hmm. I felt like we beat ourselves, and I just wasn't impressed with really anybody on Golden State other than maybe Draymond. Yeah. Um, well, I thought so. Well, well like, uh, one thing, yeah, one thing that did surprise me with the whole series, which was very surprising, and I guess it would be so, so much so for the whole playoffs, but, like, Steph Curry really folds when he gets shit on. He does not climb out of the shit it doesn't seem like that at least he just kind of like when lebron like looked back at him and talked down to him it was like there was oh a, my god like that was almost for me a turning point where it was like oh this is this 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 isn't not only are we winning it physically on the court but mentally they just don't have it maybe and maybe that's what you know nelson was talking about earlier about us being an older team so maybe our older guys aren't that worried about you know getting in people's heads or whatever but that was one of the most surprising things for me was how Clay folded under pressure. BH, did you have anything that surprised you this series that you did not expect, like whatsoever? <laughs> that I didn't expect, whatsoever. yeah. Like other than the Cavs winning, I'm saying, like, <laughs> what? What else did you think? <laughs> I told you what I shocked you. them to win. What shocked me? Yeah. I, I mean. How poor what startled you? Mildly startled you. Yeah. Startled me. What made you shriek? I, I mean, I was honestly surprised how little of an impact Steph Curry had on on the series. Now, I I don't remember last year very well um, as far as how he impacted that, but I mean, throughout the season, and granted, you know, he was only playing three quarters most of the time because they were winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, easily most of their most of their games. I think they had a, a double digit plus minus um, for the season. Uh, so um, per game, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, he just he just didn't show up. And I, I've heard from you know tons tons of outlets, you know that that Draymond Green is you know would have been the MVP, and I don't think that that's Hard to fathom had the Warriors won. Had the Warriors. Well, I don't think that there's anyone else. I other than I, I honestly think they, that LeBron may have been the MVP regardless. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that they would have the cojones. I don't know that the NBA would have the, the cojones to give it to a, a player on a losing team. But th- there's no way that it went to Curry. I mean, if, yeah. if Golden oh, State yeah. were to w- pull out that game, it would have been Draymond. For sure, especially with the game he had in seven. So if he, you know, if they would have, you know, even if Curry would have hit a late three or something that, uh, you know, would have put them up by one or, or whatever, Curry still didn't have really a decent game at all in game seven game. and, and Green tore it up. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of 2020 hindsight. Um, but now after seeing what happened this series, and then you go back and look at last year's NBA finals, 
Um, I don't know about game by game in last year's finals, but I think Steph Curry would have only been the MVP of one game in this entire series this year. And I don't think that he was, he would have been the, the single game MVP in a single game last year mm-hmm. in the finals. Um, game five, I think it was, he went off for like 38 or 40 against us this year. But other than that, I mean, that was his only good game. And hold on, I'm bringing it up right now. He hit seven threes. Um, so, you know, he got it going from three, but if he doesn't have it going from three, I mean, that's all he's got. Yeah, I mean, he can't, he can't penetrate. LeBron made him look like a child. I mean, yeah. it, that's one of the things. To, uh, again, this might be a little bit of Cavs bias and me just not liking Steph Curry in general. Um, but it just, w- w- what MVP is just getting humiliated on a, on a game by game basis by LeBron James? I mean, he, almost every single game, LeBron had a monstrous poster-worthy swat of Curry to the point that it, it, it wasn't even it was you kind of felt bad for Curry almost. Yeah. Um. It was it was so bad. And then on Kyrie's three in particular, um, granted Curry played fairly de- ah. decent defense on that play. It was a, a contested shot, but on that play, the final the the game-winning shot that Kyrie had, um, we ran. A pit, we were running picks to try to intentionally get Steph Curry to guard Kyrie. Now, if you're the unanimous MVP of the league, I feel like in a crucial game seven with seconds left on the clock, the other team shouldn't be scheming to try to get you to guard the guy they want to score. And I think part of that is maybe it, it's not entirely on, you know, oh, Steph's so bad at defense. I think a big part of that is Clay Thompson is borderline elite. Yeah, as a defender, yeah. so, so it, it was maybe more of just trying to get Clay, get Clay off of Kyrie, um, as opposed to trying to get Steph on Kyrie. But I know, just I, I felt like that was kind of indicative of the entire series is that we're talking about the MVP of the league, and the other team is running plays to try to exploit your defensive weakness as a player. I don't. I just again, I, I think maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit, but just. I feel well, like Steph was I think a weakness. That, I think that was. I think that would actually was a, a turning point in the series as well as when the Cavs figured out that they needed to put Steph Curry in pick and roll action and get him involved on defense because Golden State has a great team defense concept where they hide him and he doesn't have to guard anything. And the Cavs figured that out. I think after Game Two, and they started putting him in situations where he had to guard LeBron, he had to guard Kyrie one on one, as opposed to just sitting back there to next to J.R. Smith who's standing in a corner. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that took a toll on 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 Curry that he actually had to play defense as opposed to just sitting there and running him through picks and bruising him up and and making him feel the Cavs' presence by being physical with him, I think it had an effect on his offense. I think his legs gave out a little bit towards the end. He's chucking up threes that normally he makes. I mean, there were some shots that I saw in the later later games of the series that he normally makes that he just wasn't hitting. And and they look difficult to the average viewer, but – those were shots he makes, these these quick-release shots off screens, these step-back threes that he wasn't making. And I think part of that was the Cavs were wearing him out on defense, making him play defense, hitting him with picks, bruising him up a little bit. And I think Piper hit on it a little bit, too, is Golden State is the golden boys of the NBA. They get passes for everything. And finally somebody punched him in the mouth. And they didn't know how to react. They folded like a house of cards. 
And it was just remarkable to see that, the collapse, and then everybody make excuses for them. I heard even after Game 7, these these national broadcasters talking about, oh, Steph Curry must have been injured, or Steph Curry must have been Oh, my God. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. It's so, every and every single one of them is oh I'm not trying to make excuses and saying that it's because of the injury and then they talk about I give you oh excuse. he must be hurt yeah, <laughs> yeah as, as soon as soon as they say I, I'm not trying to do this that's that is exactly what they're doing it's it's yeah it's hilarious and I my buddy uh, at work he follows basketball we were talking about it and I I said that exact thing I was like you wait until after he's going to talk about his knee or his elbow or whatever ghost injuries he had during the regular season and i i wanted to just jump in to what nelson was saying though but i didn't want to cut you off but like look at how when they when they made him defend people those last like you were saying after game two i think look at look at the last four games of the series and especially i think game five he got into foul trouble each game it seemed like like a suit early on where you know they're in the middle of the second quarter and he just picked his third foul like that happened more than once. So he's it, it. It's almost a fault of the MVP system to give him that because they're doing it for the regular season. And yes, for the regular season they won the most games, so they have to give it to him. But if you take Steph Curry off of that team, you know they still win probably sixty-five games. You know, they, yeah, probably. You know, and probably. They, if you I take, mean, if you take LeBron off of the Cavs. <laughs> They don't win. What do they win? Fifty nine games this year. Fifty seven. Fifty seven. So do you? Get, they don't win. Do you guys think they win fifty games this year? I, if LeBron's not on the team. Probably. He could probably speak to this, but I think they were one in twelve without him this year, or something like that. Ridic- something ridiculous. Watch. Go go deep on the stats on without LeBron. <laughs> but I, another, I, but another I thing about Curry and 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 BH put this out, so you can speak to it. But the the he. Curry had like the lowest point differential from regular season to MV for, uh, to the finals for an MVP. He was like the second lowest. He yeah, I think it was Magic Johnson one year was worse, but that was it. Yeah, he averaged thirty points a game in the regular season, and then in the in the finals, he averaged twenty two points a game. So he he absolutely choked. I, I mean, it was definitely a definite choke job on Golden State. But give the Cavs credit; they played hard. They they stuck with yeah. it, and they game planned it, and they executed. Yeah. 2.3 assists per game he had in the finals as well, and he's their point guard. And you know if he's not putting up, you know his 30 plus 30. points a game, and he's getting 2.3 assists per game. I think that they said you know they they keep talking about how LeBron led everyone in points, rebounds, you know uh, assists, blocks, steals, like every single category that matters. I think forget exactly which categories it was, but I want to say that it was um, maybe points. Rebounds and assists, maybe he outdid Steph and Curry combined over like the last four games or something like that. I I, I don't have it in you front mean, of me, but you mean Clay um, and Curry? No, yeah, Clay. Okay. What did I say? Steph, Steph and Curry. Steph yeah, and Clay. Curry. Yeah, Clay. Yeah, Clay. I just want to make sure. I wasn't being like. You could, you, you, could, you could. I'm sure that it yeah. would also apply if you just took Steph's stats and then doubled them. Double. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and, and speaking to the, the the foul trouble, I mean, everybody's complaining about the refs. And in games, was that six that he fouled out and threw his mouthpiece? Um, game six, the, the refs were just calling everything. I mean, Kevin Love was in foul trouble. He had like three fouls in two minutes or something like that. They were calling him both ways. And part of part of the problem is Golden State fans can get 
as mad as they want. Steph knew he was in foul trouble, and he he didn't change the way that he was playing. Yeah, you know, in that same game, Draymond was in foul trouble early as well. But there would be plays where you know LeBron would be driving to the lane, and Draymond would be a little bit out of position, and instead of just going up and trying to you know get a body on him and, and cause a foul, but hopefully prevent him from making the shot. He just would let LeBron go because he knew that he was more valuable than that two points. Like yeah. him being on the floor was more valuable. So he just kind of let, you know, he kind of step in the lane, but they kind of get out of the way and just let LeBron do LeBron stuff. And Steph was just still, you know, hacking it. He's reaching in, reaching in, poke, trying to poke. And maybe it's because he's not used to being in foul trouble. He hadn't fouled out the entire season. So maybe it's just something he's unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like a lot of that goes on, Steph, he had to realize that he was in foul trouble. The refs were, you know, calling some phantom calls both ways, yeah. uh, and he needed to change the way that he was he was playing. Everyone's bitching about his sixth foul. Well, his fifth foul, I think, was uh, a reach in on Kyrie, and everyone's like, "Oh, he got all ball. He got all ball." Yeah, he he got a lot of ball on that last reach in, yeah. but on that exact play, he reached in like two times consecutively and got a ton of body and, and a little bit of arm as well. So, you know, I, I don't really want to hear it about about you know that as an excuse. Oh, um, and I will say that st- going back to the injury thing too, to Steph's credit, I haven't heard anything from him saying that he was hurt. It's pretty much been the media making up excuses for him, um, so it's not him specifically. You know, so it's not necessarily him. He's he's saying all the right things right now, but, uh, but yeah, I don't even want to hear it with the injury thing, especially from especially from Golden State, who last year only won in six games to a team that was missing two of their three best players. So. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the thing is is I I feel like there's kind of a giant asterisk on there finals now because it's you played the whole team i mean really the Cavs probably should have won like six really if you think about it i mean the fact that they came back to win all those games shows who who the better team was i mean if that makes sense just because they win they won more away it seems it feel it feels like that i guess because they won well more we away. kind of figured it out i mean i've read um i've read some things i was listening to a podcast today um, I think it was an ESPN podcast, and one of the things that they were saying was that they were criticizing the Warriors for no longer playing Warriors ball in like the last game or two, and oh, why why'd you go back to caveman basketball? You know, why are you throwing Azili and uh, uh, Verjo out there for so many minutes? And I completely disagree. Like they're just oh, you're you're doing your own thing, and it was working, and then you switched. And I disagree. I think that. I think that what happened was that they did their thing in the first two games, and then the Cavs kind of started to figure it out, and we started playing Tristan on Steph. I mean, we would end up with Tristan guarding Steph a lot. Um, We kind of figured out their game, and we figured out that, hey, Channing Frye doesn't match up. Kevin Love, you know, basically because of his, his injury, he was out, and we kind of learned that, oh, we just need to play fast. Just like them, we need to do what the Warriors do. And there was time. There's there's a point last night where we had Mo Williams, Kyrie Irving, uh, LeBron was the tallest player on the floor. Yeah. Um, like we had Mo and Kyrie out there at the same time. We had two guys that were barely six feet tall out there at the same time. Like I think that you know we we figured out kind of a a, a poison pill for for the death lineup. I feel like, um, and we we're just we we're. It's not a coincidence that Steph and Clay, I don't know what their season total or their their series totals were from three, but I mean I think there were six of twenty four last night and that was that became the norm as opposed to an exception. Um, 
later in the series. Like they, they we were stifling them. They, it's not, I don't know. It's not a coincidence that those guys go from blazing threes to not being able to get good shots off. And I don't, I, I just, I, I don't think that the fact that they were playing Zilean Verjao is the reason they lost last night. Well, what was your guys's in BH? I want you to talk about this. But what was your <laughs> or first, talk in general? Yeah, what was your first thought after the win? For you, because let me just my first thought was it's finally over, like that the whole thing is done. Because not not to be like it's me, it's all about me. But because now I live away, I live up here, I get that shit all the time. So like it really to go into work, it's gonna be so exciting to just go into work. No one's gonna be able to say shit about how bad everything sucks. Because even like as bad as the Lions and the Pistons are, well the Pistons are looking on the up and up, but. You know, like they had a championship ten years ago, so they can't bitch about bad football because they've they've had like a two World Series and a and they have like two finals and they won one of them. But it's just it's going to be nice. But my second thought was I hope this trickles over to the Browns. That was my second thought. So be the tribe. I don't like baseball, but it's oh. <laughs> but BH. What was your first thought once you know after you know? To, we didn't foul Curry on his three, and he missed it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know that I can really say what I was thinking at that point. Because it was so I, racist? Or? Because it was so <laughs> racist. <laughs> we have more good white players than they do. You just started screaming Kevin Love. You're like, Kevin Love! Kelly! <laughs> Sasha Khan! <laughs> no, I... It's hard for me to 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 think back. I mean, I was I was super excited, like I would be for you know for any championship win. But I mean, I think that it, you know, I, I didn't think that much of it because I I almost expected it. Yeah, I mean, you can say that that you know it was against all odds and and all this other stuff, but. I mean, I truly felt that we were the better team if we played the way that we could. And yeah, we, you know, we had to adjust some things and, you know, they, they didn't play the same way they played throughout the entire Eastern Conference playoffs. But, you know, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I, I was more surprised that Ohio State beat Alabama than I was that the Cavs beat the Warriors. It might have been it might have been a little bit different for me because uh, if I was watching the game at home, while I love being in the atmosphere, it's hard for me to focus sometimes. Like I think I spent more time watching the crowd than I actually did watching the game. Um, plus, I was like kind of jealous that we weren't on like the super big screen side. So like I was, oh, I found BH. myself like I felt myself like peeking around at the side every once in a while because oh I can see both screens. Are you serious, BH? <laughs> Gosh. Our screen wasn't big enough. Oh my, <laughs> my experience Paul is Jerry. now tainted. Paul Jerry Jones, BH. <laughs> oh that's my not God. what I thought. Well, let me it, let me let was, me change the direction. Not, I love it. What I love it. BH has ruined it. Hold on, so, yeah. What, Nelson. What what so, I meant so you're mean mugging, I, and all those videos and pictures that I took, I, I don't know that you're smiling a single time, and it's because you're like, we're, we're, 
because we're not we're on the the Megatron. We're on the the side that's like only two thirds as big as the other side. It was distracting. It was that's just my point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could see the other screen almost as well as I could. Are you jealous you didn't get a calf shirt when the the cheerleaders were throwing them out too, BH? No, I don't. That ruined your night. Uh, one of those little kids next to Nelson got one, and yeah. BH didn't. Oh, was it their Dippin' Dots, dude? Those kids had Dippin' Dots. Yeah, Did that ruined your. Was not too? happy that kid had them. I didn't even. I wasn't even paying attention to those kids. Dude, I even All saw. Dippin dots. I saw your Dippin' Dots lusty eyes in that video. Don't try to lie like you. Oh my God, Nelson. I like. I I totally sent you guys off on a tangent. T- Nelson, well, let, me, let me let me let me because what you said is ridiculous. Let me let me talk about what I was feeling because there was there was such a build up to that game, going from game one to game two to three, then four, and then all of a sudden things start to change in five and six, and then we get to seven. This is game seven of the NBA Finals, and we're all downtown. We're watching the game in the queue when the Cavs aren't even there, Mm -hmm. and then you get through the half and it's close, and then through the third quarter we make a run. You get to the fourth quarter, and it's just back and forth. And then all of a sudden, nobody scores for four straight freaking minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're just on the edge of your seat, like, come on, please, not again. Please don't do this. And all of a sudden, Kyrie hits a three with 50 seconds to go, and you start believing. And at that point, I- I'm dead serious. I thought it was over. I thought we had won it when Kyrie hit that three, even though oh, yeah. there was 50 seconds left. I had all the confidence that we were going to finish that thing. And we get the stops at the end. And once the clock hit zero and Love and LeBron embraced, I'm just jumping up and down. I'm turning to everybody and giving everybody hugs, rubbing Dube's head. <laughs> um, I was just in the moment. I really wasn't thinking about anything other than I'm so freaking happy right now. Like, I just want to jump up and down and hug everybody. It was such an amazing moment, those last minutes of that game, so how intense it was, how back and forth it was, and the way we won it with the LeBron block on the breakaway right. where it just came out of nowhere in Kyrie's three that he hits late in the game, clutch three. It was a remarkable finish to a remarkable season. And, you know, when you talk about the first championship in 52 years and all the heartache that we've gone through as fans, I was just living in the moment, and I was so happy um, that we were able to share that as a group together. And I'm actually really glad. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't do this myself, that Dave actually took some video of that moment. So we have that forever. Like, it's 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 going to be there forever whenever we need it. So. You talked about that briefly about how like you were like, man, I think I'm gonna start kind of logging more more sh- things that are happening because, man, I don't just I know how lame it is, and not to, again, not to make it about me, but to watch you guys get excited just get made me so happy because like it's like yes, everyone is like look at every how how excited. I mean the the Cleveland Clinic gave away like. What's something for the babies that were born that night? Something like they were like cursed. They weren't called cursed babies because, geez, you can't call them that. But they were like cursed babies. No, they were they were like li- like believe land babies or something like that or believe yeah. babies. Yeah, Some- they had uh, so somebody at work. They sent the email out Monday about the kids. They had the cursed baby. 
Yeah, they had a cursed baby. baby. <laughs> but the, the onesie, the onesie said, you know, all in two one six, born to believe, oh. and that was pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, like it, what's your I, language, BH? I said, <laughs> I said, I said you to my, yeah, you can you can say shit cock balls. It, it's all good <laughs> earmuffs. But um, my my wife and I were talking about how I guarantee you, Golden State wins. Nobody gives as much of a shit. I promise you that. I promise you, there's no way there, there there isn't another basketball team that could have won that would have meant more to. I I promise. Well, no, it and and I, I want to get back to just talking about what it was like in the stadium. But but to your point about um, yeah, no other team. I mean, I think part of it was it was really weird to see the shift from. It's hard for me to tell from where we're at. Um, how other regions and sports fans see the Cavs and see Golden State. I, I basically have hated Golden State all year because you always hate teams that are too good. And they're going seventy three and nine, and it's just kind of like irritating. It's kind of like the Patriots. Yeah, when they went sixteen and zero, it's yeah. just now <laughs> the Patriots were dislikable. They, they weren't very likable to likable to begin with, but mm-hmm. I, you know basically hated Golden State all season, and a big part of that was that they beat us last year in the finals, and I don't like Steph Curry's stupid smug face, and I don't like how he brings his daughter up on the the, the post-game things all the time, but again, I think I didn't really have much of an opinion on that until we lost them in the finals, so it's hard for me to tell if they're really America's darlings or if it's just ESPN, and if other people have, have a unwarranted hatred for them and and Steph the way that I do, because I don't know if it's just my bias or what, but I get the impression from this series that more or less the media was reflecting how America felt about that team until Draymond punched one too many dicks off. Yeah. And when he got suspended, when he got suspended, it went from people were legitimately apologizing. There's a kid at my work and he went to Michigan state and I think he like kind of knew Draymond for in a, to a tertiary degree, um, but he the entire time was just defending. Oh no, he he throws his leg up like that all oh. the time, and you know kicking dudes in the dick and stuff, and he saying acting like it's okay. And it seems like everybody was cool with that, and everybody yeah. was fine with that. And then when he he just gave a little nut tap to LeBron, everybody just kind of shifted. And with the baby bottle thing with Spates and Clay saying it's a man's game. Um, I feel like everyone, Draymond called him a bitch. I heard Um, he called him a fuck boy. That's what I heard. I heard he called him a fuck boy. That's what Bill Simmons said. Well, maybe he he called him a fuck boy and a bitch. He said he 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 could hear it. That's, so that, that's, 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 that's that's the word from Bill Simmons. But regardless, I feel like it was that moment that it seemed like it shifted. And I've seen reaction videos kind of like mine of people watching the games at home. Um, the one was Oklahoma City Thunder fans. They're all decked out in their Thunder gear watching the Cavs play the Warriors, and they're basically rooting against the Warriors, kind of like how we root against um, Golden State. And it just seems like everyone was against the Warriors from that point on, um, and everybody just was probably sick of their shit, sick of their cockiness. And uh, I don't know, I just I, I thought that that was, yeah, I don't know, that was interesting for me, and I think that everyone kind of gets behind the underdog story like you know if buffalo makes another super bowl someday 
I don't know who they're going to be playing, but I'll probably be rooting for Buffalo just because yeah. they're kind of another tortured city, kind of like how Cleveland is, and everybody wants you know them to at least win one because you know if you have no skin in the game, why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I again I don't know what the national populace of of sports fans feelings towards the Warriors were coming into it, but I'm pretty sure that pretty much everyone hates them now. Isn't it it remarkable the level of stupidity that the Warriors had with running their mouths after Game 4 about LeBron's a baby and the baby bottle and the Draymond smack talk? Whenever you do that to LeBron, you're not going to win I mean, it's it's over the course of his career, it's like any time you do that, he takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, I can think back to when we had all those series with the Wizards and Deshaun Stevenson was talking oh my smack. God, yep. and, and and then then you go to um, uh, who was the uh, Jay Crowder last year, and he got smacked out. Uh, whenever <laughs> you do that, I mean, it's like forget about it. What are you thinking? He's going to take it to a whole nother level. And um, that was a – I still can't believe that they went there not having wrapped up a series against the king, LeBron James. They they thought they were untouchable. They had three games left to win one game. And they just came back from 3-1 down. Mm-hmm. They, they probably felt like the Thunder were a tougher opponent than the Cavs were. Sorry to interrupt. You guys, can you guys keep the conversation going? My dog's throwing up. So if you guys can just think, just roll just roll with the conversation. I don't mean to be. A, thanks, thanks. For no, that's fine. Content. Yeah, right. So um, you know, Nelson, Nelson, and, and BH both already kind of touched on their takeaways from being in the stadium. Um, you know, for such a for, for for such a huge game. And I feel like I'm like hogging the mic, but I just want to talk. Like, so for you know anybody listening. Obviously, we all live in Northeast Ohio. Um, Nelson and I both work downtown, and obviously, we wanted to go to this this watch party because it's you know the chance to be downtown for the biggest moment in half a century for Cleveland. And even though the game's not here, you know this is the spot to be. I, I was thinking, you know, if you're a millionaire, would you rather fly to Golden State and watch them win in person with like? 150 other Cavs fans that are going to be in attendance and everybody else is going to be anti-Cavs or would you rather be in Cleveland either in the outside watch party or inside the queue with 20,000 Cavs fans and filled streets and I mean that's the spot that you wanted to be in so um, we were lucky enough to get tickets because they sold out in like 48 seconds or whatever (laughs) so we're lucky enough to to get in on these watch party tickets and it's just... it was honestly one of the greatest nights of my life. I mean, I, not to sound like a douche, but like, I don't know. I feel like it was on par with my daughter being born, if not better, because daughter being born, that's something that you expected. I knew it was going to happen. And obviously you hope, you know, there's things that can go wrong and whatnot, but you don't really expect those things to happen. So there's more kind of, there's more anxiousness and anticipation. And you know, the set time that something's going to happen um, you know, we all met up, we all have, you know, families and kids of our own now, so we don't really get to just kind of go out and hang out with each other a whole lot anymore. 
and we all met up, you know, out in the flats, some new restaurant that's that they built down there in the flats and just kind of hanging out and talking about the game. And every single person that's in that bar or that restaurant is there for the same reason. Everybody's got their Cavs gear on. Everybody's talking. You know it's game seven. You know it's going to end tonight. It's an elimination game for both teams. It's just then being in there and like Greg was saying uh, with the, that that three that three pointer by Kyrie. I mean the whole game was nuts. The, the whole um, stadium was just just going absolutely bonkers and <laughs> it was back back and forth. Nobody led. I think the Warriors led by eight at one point, but that was the biggest lead of anybody all night. Um, they were up seven at halftime, but then they come out and Jr. You know, hits a couple threes, gets us right back in it. Mm-hmm. Everybody played their role. That's another thing too. Is it's not like somebody got hot. It's not like Jr. hit seven threes. Mm-hmm. You know, Draymond did that for Golden State. You know, if it wasn't for Draymond, the Cavs might have just we took over that whole game. But Draymond got hot and kept them in it. But the Cavs, everybody just kind of played the role. You know, Kevin Love wasn't stroking it from three, but he was drawing fouls. He's getting rebounds, effort plays. Um, you know, making his free throws, playing unusually good defense. You know, Tristan's getting some boards. Um, Shumpert comes in, gets a four-point play in the first half, our only three. We couldn't hit a three for our lives. Shumpert comes in, plays some good defense finally, gets a four-point play. Kyrie's not shoot. I, I don't know what Kyrie's stats were, but LeBron didn't shoot particularly well percentage-wise. Um, but everybody just kind of pitched in and played their part, and it comes right down to the wire, and Kyrie hits that three, and like like Nelson said, um, it started to get real at that point. Like no one had scored in four minutes and we just hit a three and we can see how tough the defense has been. That's going to be hard enough for them to overcome. And then, you know, they hit that three and the following possession, I think clay or Steph attempted a three missed it. And we got the rebound. And on the video that I uploaded, if you just search for Cavs watch party game seven or something like that, you'll see, I just start yelling, dude, 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 yeah. Dude, and it's because like I'm like realizing that, dude, this, this might happen. <laughs> like this, this is happening right now. I'm just like, dude, dude, and and for whatever reason, then in swing possession, Golden State wasn't fouling. There was like 25 ish seconds left, and Golden State wasn't fouling. They weren't fouling, and I'm yelling on the video. They're not fouling. Like why are they not fouling? They're down yeah. by three. They're gonna let us run the clock out, and then. They fouled, and I don't exactly know how the rules work, but they fouled when the shot clock was down to like eight or something, and it resets to like fourteen when you foul. I think. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what. So so it, so they gave us extra time. They they finally decided to foul, and they had a foul to give, so it didn't send us the line. It just gave us extra time, and it was just like, oh my god, dude, this is actually happening right now. Um. And then just just to kind of like wrap it up, obviously the the finish was ridiculous. I've heard a couple people mention this, and I completely agree. It's almost as if the fates robbed us. Like the 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 track down block by LeBron was historic. Um, The three by Kyrie was pretty historic. If LeBron would have been able to throw down that jam with ten seconds left, like that was that would have been the most monstrous jam of his career. And that would have been an all-time finals moment. And unfortunately, Draymond Green had to get in there and ruin it and get a good foul and prevent LeBron from making the shot and kind of banging LeBron up a little bit. But can you imagine? Like, if they make a movie, which I'm sure they will at some point, I hope they just kind of take some liberties and make it so LeBron makes that jam because (laughs) I want to see what that would have looked like. 
how how about how about the Cavs winning in the in the fashion that they did? I love I loved what LeBron said. Like one of the first things he said was, "We didn't we don't always you know we do, I don't know why we don't take the easy road or something like that." And it was, but it was incredible to watch it all. I was going to ask you guys just. I mean, as we're, we're kind of wrapping up, but not really. I don't know. We'll keep it going. But uh, who just – I want to hear from each one of you, but of all the Cavs – don't don't pick LeBron. But of all the Cavs, who really for you guys – because, like, it's so hard to pick, really, for you guys. Who stepped it up, like, the most? I mean, LeBron played great, obviously. But if you, could, if you couldn't choose him, then maybe you wouldn't. Um, Are you talking about for the series or just game so, seven? I'm talking about for, yeah, for the series, and I'm really talking about – Game two and on because the first two showings were you know rough sits. Yeah, for me, like you know, Dave was touching up upon this a little bit, but just to dissect one of the games. I mean, Game Seven was the ultimate team game mm-hmm. when you had contributions from Kevin Love, who was just horrendous in the series, uh, getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds, blocks. I mean, he was and he had point. He scored some points as well. He really stepped up in a moment where everybody was against him. Cavs fans were against him. There were signs downtown that, you know, say all in with Kevin Love were ripped up. And he really stepped up in a big way in game seven. Shumper hit the three and got fouled. He contributed in his own way. GR Smith with the quick eight points in the third quarter to get us back in the game. I mean, Tristan Thompson all over the boards, making free throws to avoid potentially getting hacked later in the game. That was huge. So he doesn't have to be put in that situation and try to make free throws when he's struggling. It was just a, a tremendous, tremendous team effort. Um, for the series, though, for me, it was Tristan Thompson that was the difference in this one. Mm-hmm. I think he woke up after game two and really challenged himself to get on the boards in a, in a matchup that really he should have dominated frankly, because he's going up against most of the time that he's going up against the death lineup where Draymond Green is the center and he's six seven. He doesn't have the length that Tristan Thompson does uh, or the, the ability. And he, he made a difference in the series with his rebounding, his defensive effort. I mean, they, they switched their defensive scheme after game two to switch on pick and roll and just stay with it. And he stayed with Curry right on that three point line and, and dared him to try to shoot it over him. And I think that was a big difference in the series. If you look at his plus minus for the series, it, I think it was by far the best out of all the Cavs players, um, even given that LeBron and Kyrie were scoring the numbers that they were. So for me, it was, it was Tristan Thompson. And it's kind of ironic before the season, he kind of held out for more money and we were all, all over him about it. And, you know, come playoff time, he helped us out in a big way. And I think he earned that paycheck. BH, what what uh out of you know all the Cavs, who I don't say who surprised you the most, but who who did you appreciate the most? Who stepped it up? I, I mean, Kyrie was was already uh you know a, a good offensive player, and I feel like he stepped it up. I I mean, you can you can look at season averages and everything like that. Um, I don't think there was a game in the finals that he scored less than 20 points, and that was his season average. So obviously, his his points per game is going to be above that. Um, you know, I I think he came out as the and I lied the 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 blowout. He only scored 10. The game two blowout, <coughs> scored 10. But uh, I mean, 
throughout the finals, even with that 10-point game, he averaged 27 points per game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he came out as the perfect complement to LeBron James. And um, it, I, I don't see the Cavs doing anything with with their roster as far as losing pieces. You know, like, I think everybody's biggest thing, even going into the playoffs, was, you know, what's going to happen if we lose? And the first name that came out would be Kevin Love. You know, if if they get rid of Kevin Love, even if they don't have a big three, I feel like they'll be fine because Kyrie and LeBron is going to be the best one-two punch in the league. Mm-hmm. And Dave... Dave, uh, yeah, who who for you for the Cavs really just stepped it up? I mean, well, I mean, I think I think the two no brainers are the guys that they just said. It, it, it's Kyrie yeah. and it's Tristan, and it's two different, two different. I mean, I think that there were guys like like Richard Jefferson stepped up, but Richard Jefferson, we knew who he was, and um, I mean, he was a huge contributor, much bigger contributor in this series than he was in any other series. Um, but it's not necessarily a surprise. We know that. You know Jefferson can play solid defense. Um, he's just he's kind of a um, almost like a utility man in baseball, where he can pretty much do. He's pretty good at everything. He can he can he can shoot threes if he needs to. He's one of the best finishers. I mean, I don't know that he missed a single layup, whether he was getting hacked or whatever. I mean, he's one of the best finishers that there is. So he can get he can penetrate. He can. Um, command attention on the three-point line he can play some defense um and he didn't get a whole lot of minutes in the regular season and no, he, was he was mixed in on the, the start he was out of the rotation at some points in the regular season i mean i could have never imagined the contributions he made not only in the finals but the playoffs i mean he was stroking yeah, he was a starter i mean we started him when love was out mm-hmm. yeah i mean he was stroking threes in the series uh with detroit and atlanta and toronto i mean he was contributing in a big way in those games and then Filling in for love in Game Three uh, definitely was a was a huge boost to this team and being able to sustain the momentum we had in, in that game. I would have never imagined before the season started that Richard Jefferson would have had the role that he did, especially go watching the entire regular season where there were some points where he wasn't even in the rotation, he wasn't even playing at all, and it's just a it's just a remarkable finish by him. And there's a there's a couple other players to get. Uh, on a tangent here. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, this is what the show is called. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, I also, let me just really quick, but also, Richard Jefferson also, like, n- nearly royally f- fucked us. Like, with that with that travel around, like, like he made some crazy bonehead mistakes when, when, when the game was on the line, and from a veteran, you don't really... Expect that. That 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 would be my only knock against him. He had a couple really boneheaded mistakes, boneheaded fouls. They just really don't you dare besmirch the name. I know, right? I I don't mean to shit yeah, on I, everybody, I, but I'm glad know. that you said that, Nelson, because I'm about I've to got, blow it. I've got to say, I have to, I have to be realistic with myself. But just for me, it was definitely Kyrie because I thought his defense was just way better than everybody said it was. So you're 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 saying that you. <laughs> The guy who wasn't even in the rotation, who in the middle of the season was like the tenth man on the bench, you're saying that because he like traveled it like an inopportune time. Go ahead and go fuck yourself, Richard Jefferson. He could have thrown a <laughs> behind the back pass with a one point lead late in the fourth quarter of Game Seven, but he right, right. 
He could have his MVP, but you know what? At least he didn't pull a Richard Jefferson out there. Yeah, like with know, that travel and that tattoo, where he got kind of caught. And I don't even know. I I think the only travel that I can think of is I feel like I I don't was there a travel in Game Seven? Are you referring to Game Seven? No, no, it was Game. Because I'm think I'm thinking Game five? five or Game Six. He had a travel where I feel like he went to make a pass and someone cut off the pass like his passing lane at the last second and he kind of like double clutched and drug his foot. And that's the only one I can think of. Um, well, and that, I, I think that was Richard Jefferson, but yeah, it was like, at, like all right, well, who cares? All right. So anyway, all right. So Richard Jefferson's sweet. Um, and I love that. I love that. I mean, I don't love that he retired, but that's, it's a perfect ending oh, for he him. Um, yeah, he retired oh, right after the game. And I, I wish that he didn't because, I think that he has a role and it, it, that's a perfect, you know, talking about his role during the regular season and how he stepped up in the playoffs it leads into, I, I think he played well, but I don't think that he surprised me. It's everybody knew that he was capable of that. It's Tristan and it's Kyrie Tristan, like Nelson said with the contract in the off season, um, really Tristan is a guy who is perfect. He's perfect for playing the warriors depending on what team we play, he might not fit the... I mean, sometimes we might legitimately be better off with Mozgov or a traditional big in that role, but not against Golden State. And Tristan really earned his paycheck, like Nelson said. Um, and Kyrie... Kyrie really, I think, blossomed in this postseason. I feel like he got screwed out of the All-Star game this year. And I feel like it's... I mean, it's ludicrous he's only made the All-Star team once um, when you've got guys like Jeff Teague and crap like making the all-star game. And I mean, maybe part of it is that during the regular season, the Cavs don't try as hard as they do in the postseason, And that, you know, that's their own fault. Five games this year. Uh, Wait, maybe it was love that I was thinking that got screwed. Cause you're, you're right. Um, but, but I, I think that Irving stepped up to such a degree (laughs) that he's going to get the star treatment now where I feel like he almost, I, I always think of Cal Ripken where I feel like, Cal Ripken was making all-star teams when I was in my early sports development years where I didn't know the Cal Ripken of old. I only knew old Cal Ripken and knew that he was stealing all-star spots away from guys that actually deserve it. And I feel like not that Kyrie's old, but I feel like Kyrie's going to get the benefit of the doubt now. And I feel like if it comes down to him or Jeff Teague, and if Jeff Teague has better stats, they're still going to let Kyrie in just Mm -hmm. because they know, you know, Kyrie, I feel like he just blossomed this year and he's a young guy and I feel like he is a cocky guy. And I think that he now really truly believes that he's uncle drew. And I think that he's stepping his game up and I would not be surprised at all if next year he is not only an all-star, but competing for, you know, in the conversation for MVP, because I think that he, I mean, he, he has the potential to be a hall of famer. I mean, he, he is that good. And he's only going to get better. He's still so young. Um, and yeah, he just, he really stepped it up. The, the one the things that he needs to work on is that I didn't like, he played a lot of hero ball. Like you could just dribbling. see it in his eyes. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I'd be watching, you know, game five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six at home. And I would just say to my wife, I'd be like, uh Oh, I would just say, he's not going to shoot it. I would just say, uh Oh, and that was because you could just see that look in his eye that, oh, he's not going to pass it on this possession. He's got Steph guarding him and he wants to show up Steph. And more, you know, more often than not, he would, you know, do his little dribble drive and try to do some sort of fadeaway jumper. And he just needs to learn sometimes, hey, 
I need to, I need to kick it out instead of trying to show up the league MVP. Um, but he'll learn that. I mean, he's, he's just, he's 22. LeBron matured so much. You know, LeBron is such a different player now than he was when he was 22. Um, and assuming LeBron sticks around, uh, yeah. um, hopefully Kyrie can learn a thing or two. What do you guys, yeah, one, talk, talk on, what do you guys think about LeBron staying? I mean, we've had a really good positive conversation, but what, what, are, you, what are you guys' thoughts about him leaving now? There, he's not leaving. There's no way, right? There's, there's absolutely no way. I mean, he's, not this year, but I think I still think I think he's going to do another one year. One yeah, and it's one. another one with a player option in case he gets hurt, and then he'll sign the max contract the next year, which will be two hundred million dollars or whatever it's going to be when the cap jumps again. But yeah, but I don't know that I'll be here. No question, he's gone. I mean, they got a couple free agents with uh, Swish opted out. Um, Delhi will be restricted, and based off his playoff performance, he's probably sticking around. Um, Mozgov. You know, he's going to be a free agent. What they do with him, they might let him walk for what he might command in a market with tons of cap space. And the Cavs don't really have a whole lot of money to spend. Um, so, and then you got to fill the hole of, of Richard Jefferson. James Jones is on a one year veterans minimum. Who knows what they do with him? So they, they've got a couple of role players that they'll have to address in the offseason. They'll probably find another veteran out there that wants to win a championship and play in the easier of the two conferences in the Eastern Conference and cruise their way to a championship. I'm sure they'll find a David West or somebody of that caliber out there uh, waiting to, to play. But um, I don't know what you guys are what what you guys have thought over the last couple of days now that we've had time to reflect. But I know over the, the past two days, for me, I can't get enough of all the Cavs coverage. Every second I get, I'm reading articles or looking at pictures or looking at videos. The Games. video today of, of McLeod's call on yeah. the final seconds just gives me chills. That made me cry. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, it, 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 I didn't cry much cry. before. But. It's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic to kind of relive that, being that we were in the arena. and We, we couldn't even hear that final call because it was so freaking loud in the, right. in the stadium. Um, but one of the things I've noticed on that on that final minute and a half or minute fifty when LeBron gets the block and everything's you know turning, there was a couple key moments that really went our way that could have been really bad news for us. Is um, right after Kyrie hit his three, Golden State ran pick and roll a one four pick and roll with Kevin Love, and Love was by himself on Steph Curry Steph. for twenty yep. seconds. Good 20 seconds, and he stuck with him, and he stuck with him to the end, forced up a bad shot, and, and that could have gone bad for us if Kevin Love would have been his typical old self and just been on roller skates there. Uh, so I think that was a big moment in the final minutes. And then if you remember, after Steph Curry missed that three, Kyrie Irvin got the ball and drove it down the court for some reason, attacking the basket. Yeah. And tried to throw some ridiculous pass, and it luckily hit a warrior and stayed in bounds. That could have been very yeah. easily a turnover, and it could have been their ball all over again. And that could have been real bad news for us. But um, like I said, I can't get enough of the coverage, and uh, I'm looking forward to the parade tomorrow, even though I can't go. But um uh, you know, it's it's been it's been awesome to reflect on everything the past couple of days. Absolutely. Well, I got I got to get moving, guys. I'm sorry, but uh, damn it, I really wish I could keep going with this one. Uh, yeah, PH went shut up. I know we went long. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know. come on, PH. PH. You know, next time, 
Why don't you listen to what I tell you before the podcast? And I tell you to just quiet down a little bit. And every time he does this, every single time. But um, it's nice to have it. This podcast would have been this podcast would have been like thirty percent more enjoyable if like you know we sat on the other side and we had a bigger screen to look at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. My point, and and I know I'll have to go back and listen to this now. And actually see what I said, because sometimes I just fucking blabber. But <laughs> oh, and actually say what's on your mind. Yeah, but like you should it, on the podcast. My point. My the Cavs. Point, the Cavs championship was ruined because because you didn't have the bigger side of the I jumbotron. Was, I was distracted. My point was it would have been more enjoyable for me. I mean, I love the crowd. Don't get me wrong. That was Please edit this part. out. That was the best part about it. <laughs> this is the best but part of the whole thing. I would have, I would have been more emotional had I been in my basement watching it without the distractions. The distraction of the screen not being big enough. It's not big enough. And the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a fifty foot screen. <laughs> As opposed to like a seventy foot screen or whatever, <laughs> so he's watching a thirteen inch tube TV. Bh is taller than all of us, so it's probably you know it's, to him it seems. Oh, uh, it's true. It's so. like it's like a basketball in Shaq's hands. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll talk again soon. Maybe maybe we can do one before I come down for the draft. Or no, well, I'll be down for the cottage party. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, what's up? When we can finally give you your trophy. Yep. Andy um, got the plaque. Nice. For those that don't know, we're all in a fantasy league together, and uh, Piper just got real lucky. I he won got real yeah. lucky this year. I won. I beat uh, Casey. Oh know. god! Speaking so, of luck, drafted five ad drops, five, right. five, five roster moves the entire season for the uh, the Super Bowl loser. Drafted Julius so, Julius Thomas. In the in the fourth round, I think I'm pretty <laughs> sure in the fourth round. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but yeah, so I'll uh, I will see you guys then. But I'm sure, obviously, maybe we'll talk before. We've, we're gonna have to start doing mocks. I want to do podcast mocks very soon. So we'll have to do some of those. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks for doing it. And uh, I don't know. Cheers, guys. What's up? It's a lovely, lovely voyage. Right in the night and the wind has a roar It seeps through the hall and from under the door Like the shit that was said can take it that well I give and I give and I give and I give and I'm still Lost in a heart and bumped in from the love that's been starved I know I've got close but I'm sure it's too far From the point of suspense we know it should be The end of the part of our favorite movie When a guy grabs a girl and gives her his hand Says take me away from this torture Land, Cause the grave was set up, the hole that I dug I gave and I gave and I gave and I gave you my trust Like the time that we kissed and you gave me a lie To add to the scene, you pretended to cry But I'm here and I'm cool, the way that it is Just give me a chance and I'll try to forgive And I don't know, and I can't guess it
unpredictable storm that has come every year And it sneaks in from shore with the bat in its hand I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I can't You're a thief and a witch, but I love you to death You steal my heart and curse under your breath But the one thing that I can most willingly prove That when you are gone, I'll be fine without you and 